Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Teams at Work, a podcast for the new generation of leaders. Every episode, we talk to an inspiring guest who is running a high-performance team or company to learn about their journey and get actionable tips along the way. I'm your host, my name is Daria Gutnick, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Bunch. My team and I are on a mission to help all managers become great leaders. We're building an AI leadership coach to help you become a world-class leader with as little time invested as two minutes a day. Before we kick it off today, don't forget to subscribe as we're always having super interesting guests come and join us. Hey everyone, this is Daria again, and it's another episode of Teams at Work podcast. I'm super thrilled to be here today. We haven't had one in a while because we've been heads down building the AI coach, as you all know. However, I'm very excited to have Jan Hase with me, the CEO and co-founder of Wunderflats. Hi, Jan. Hi, how's it going? Thanks for inviting me. All good. Super excited to have you here. And it's also not the first conversation we have, which is why I'm even more excited because you guys are in for a treat. Like Jan has so much interesting insights and stories and anecdotes to tell that I'm going to really struggle, I think, to fit this into 20 minutes, but we'll give it a try. Um, Jan, so first, welcome, of course. But second, you have such an impressive journey behind you. So as a founder, you actually went from a financial consultant to a software engineer, to a Java web developer, to then become a CTO, and then do a consultancy gig in between, and then actually found your um, first company and then found Wonderflats about six years ago. That's quite a journey. Tell me a little bit more about how this all came to be and how did you actually decide to go from software engineering to the CEO position? All right, yeah. So actually, I'm... Uh... I struggled a lot as a as a child with like focusing on on things. So um, I had lots of different in, uh, interests, as you can see in my my CV too over my uh, my work career. And uh, actually, when I was sixteen, I had I had a moment in my life where I thought, oh, man, I, I wasted so much time in my life not focusing on things that came so weird to me because I was like interested in music and sports and all that things. Um, so yeah, I, I decided back then that I wanted to focus on one very uh, important hobby for me, and that was actually coding. And uh, and that's basically how how I started to like focus on one thing. And um, besides that, um, the the two other very strong hobbies for me were actually uh, music, like playing guitar. And I was really very interested in um, finances and and also like um, my mom actually worked in that area. I think that uh, pushed me in that direction. Anyways, and then uh, I worked at uh, or I studied computer science and economics. And um, during during studies, I already started um, to do some some research projects as a as a developer, just out of curiosity, and it was basically related to um, finding people in apartments uh, or not in apartments in buildings actually, and and positioning them uh, them uh, because GPS doesn't work, and and so I got really really deep into tech and into research, and I, I really liked it and. But I also found that I want to do like more hands-on stuff and more more people-related stuff, and uh, and this was actually driving me as a developer all the time. And that's also how I got basically a little bit, I would say, like disconnected from the like really like deep-hearted tech love I had, and was more focused on actually um, developing um, more I don't know like reword or like helping with reword issues and 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 use technology for that. And that's also you know, there was a way basically how I um, distanced a bit from being a developer and, and, and got more about uh, in the 
you know, like uh, focusing on UX and then focusing on, on, on people working with others. And, yeah. And gotcha. that's, yeah, yeah. And then, and then like, um, working at Immobilien Scout as a, um, as a consultant, um, for, for the accelerator program, got me in touch with a lot of like startups and, and, and especially in the real estate industry. And it's also how I met my two co-founders, um, of, uh, of Wonder Flats. And, um, yeah, that's basically how, how we got, uh, got to found it too, because, um, like as a consultant in Germany, um, it was really hard for me to actually find a place somewhere else, uh, like outside of Berlin, where I was born mm. and raised and worked. Um, oh, wow, you're one of these people. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still <laughs> I've met like two actually, of you. Yeah. <laughs> actually ma never made it out of Berlin, even if I wanted to. So like the longest time I was outside Seriously. of Berlin, I was like three weeks in New York or something. And, um, wow. and it's actually very weird, um, why being a like founder of Wunderflats, where we actually focus on, um, bringing like the enabling, world together. Exactly. Yeah. And making or enable people to live anywhere, anytime. But I actually never, you know, like did it myself. Yeah. But I, re I really enjoy doing it for others. And, uh, I'm actually very happy in Berlin because such a, such a diverse culture and such a diverse city. Also, every district is different. Um, you have also different people here. Um, yeah. So I saw a lot of different cities actually, but I, I never wanted to stay somewhere else in, in Berlin. So yeah, it's also tell uh, us tell us a little bit more about Wunderflats. You've been mentioning already that the the big mission is kind of to enable everyone to live anywhere they want. Um, how did it all get started? Or like, did you kind of always worth like were you always thinking about bringing the world closer together? Or like, what's the what's the background story of Wunderflats? Yeah, so we actually, um, when I was working at Immobilien uh, Scout, we actually, oh, I actually saw that like there's this, this uh, I don't know, this part of the website of temporary housing that no one actually cared about. Like there was no product team around it, no sales team, no, no one could tell me something about it. And then like discovering in the um, in the startup weekends that we did, um, or like developing business um, ideas around that, actually made me realize that I had this issue as a consultant like all the time, you know, like. I only took gigs in, in Berlin and I, I never took them somewhere, somewhere else because like the hotel is too expensive and it was really tough for me to find temporary accommodation for like three or six months projects there. And then, but actually when we started, um, we focused on international students um, because we saw it like there's so many international students and they all have the same, the same problem, right? They need to find um, accommodation abroad and they leave an apartment behind because they were living somewhere else. And, The idea was to actually make them exchange um, their apartments and actually pay what they used to pay um, because they come from different um, income levels too or like different, you know, like living in New York is more expensive than living in Berlin. And yeah, uh, but it actually didn't really work. So after six months, we had our first pivot. Um, and, and the issue was basically that we understood that what we, what Wunderflat is actually providing um, is to save you time And, and reducing and make it more convenient to actually switch places, you know, it shouldn't matter. Like, like if you, if you want to do something or if you want to work at, if you want to study in the best university, if you want to work in, in, for the best company or if you are, I don't know, like um, if you have any other mission in your life it, it, and your mental stage moving is not really an issue, but then you're confronted mm. with the real world and, and you feel that like, like, Living in Japan works totally different than living in Germany, and there's so many, you know, um, hurdles that you need to take, and and that's basically what we want to get rid of. And yeah. so, is that the mission you would say, kind of behind Wonderflat still after yes. all these iterations? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So like actually having great people to do great stuff and enabling them or like getting makes them make it easy for them to switch places to do what they need to do is actually what we what we want to do and and the vision to get there is obviously a um, online platform. That's what's what one of that's about, like an online marketplace where. Uh, tenants and landlords meet and they can like really frictionless attack with, with, with each other and we actually hide all the complexity of the different housing markets and for now we only do it in germany so like we, we help basically internationals to get a foot into the german housing market mm -hmm. um what was actually really hard um because it's it's very i don't know so like which cities are you in germany uh we are all in all cities basically in germany i think it's um Our strongest cities are obviously the top uh, seven, mm -hmm. um, like Berlin, Hamburg, Frankfurt, Munich, uh, Stuttgart, Düsseldorf, Cologne. Uh, but we're also in smaller cities, so like temporary housing is not it's something that you need um, next to research um, districts or next to like also media districts and all the tech people. And you know, like if you, if you hire um, experts on anything, they're usually not from like from where you are, you know, like all the good people out there and they come from different places. And if you want to hire Thailand, and um, it, yeah, it's, it's not usually where your office is. And yeah. And that's basically also what we see all around Germany. So Germany has a lot of small cities. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like the Mittelstands companies, right? Exactly. Have, exactly. Like, I was actually, I went to the Adidas headquarter Uh, mm -hmm. once and was surprised how like huge that whole campus thing is. It literally is like a world totally isolated from the rest of the like yeah. community around it where like I think it's between it's Herzog and Aurach so it's like between Nuremberg and like some other city like nobody ever goes there aside of the <laughs> going and visit Adidas and it was so impressive because I think that's not a unique case. I think that's very typical of the German economy like we don't have this centralized um Uh, system as much as other countries have like in the u.s you have everything around the coast or like in argentina where also spend some time like everything is more in buenos aires i think in germany it actually is quite distributed and you have these like um weird niche world market leaders like in some random mm. village um so it's really it's really interesting especially in the world after corona it's very interesting because like cities lost actually some of their appeal because yeah, right. like a lot of the city living um and, and it's huge metropolitan areas Uh, lost like some of their benefits and like having it distributed seemed to be like pr pr working pretty well for Germany at least. And I also like I recently talked to um, a researcher from, from the US and they also looking into that area, like how to distribute people more evenly um, over the, like in the countryside and, and, and make it actually appealing to live there and, and so on. So it's really interesting. I think it's really happening already, right? We, we also yeah. had like a little team in New York and we brought everyone back in, in April, May, uh, back to Germany, mainly to do like endurance reasons and things like this mm -hmm. uh, because we couldn't ensure kind of like the health attention that potentially bungees will need. Um, and we were kind of more hopeful in the German health system than we were at the American at that time. But it was, it was, it's really interesting to speak to people that are still in New York or that moved away and Manhattan really changed its face. Like it's really not what it used to be because of all the cultural offerings are kind of gone for now and people are really stuck in these like small apartments. People started to move to actually like cheaper places in the middle of the country, which I think specifically for the US will be a very interesting um, transition and transformation. I'm really curious to see kind of what Manhattan can be when it's not stuck with like traffic and um, millions of people or when it's, uh, yeah, 
um, a little bit yeah. less crowded. Um, you also you also see that a bit in uh, within Germany. Like it, usually, fifty percent of our tenants are international, um, highly educated, uh, highly skilled uh, workers that um, have come to Germany. But uh, during Corona, uh, obviously, like these people didn't came, but um, people that needed temporary housing then were like police people and um, soldiers and and also cashiers or um, uh, doctors. Yeah, yeah exactly. and you know, like it completely changed. Yeah. Did you actually think when things started to go badly in like March and April, did you think that that's what would happen to the company or did you kind of, were, were you ready to, you know, make sacrifices and kind of start like saving or cutting costs or whatever? Did you predict that it would go so positively for you and tell us how positively the last months went for you actually? Yeah, so uh, like we didn't predict it at all, but we actually took a lot of actions and uh, that helped us um, like getting through this. So uh, like the first thing we focused on was, or like one thing that probably a lot of people struggled with was actually to, uh, to understand and to accept that Corona would be a thing. You know, a lot of people and also other founders I, I know and our investors, they thought like maybe it's just like the flu or it won't be, you know, affecting everyone. It doesn't have so so such a high impact, but um, like we needed. Um, we understood that we need to prepare, like even if it's only flu or it would have been only a flu, we, we need to prepare for the worst and actually accept it. And um, that's what we did. So uh, we switched our mindset from like, pretty early, I think it was late of uh, February, um, where, we, where we made a test like does, does home office work for everyone? So we sent everyone to... Um, to to work from remote and 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 after like figuring out that we have had some issues to do there um, and and fix them and and actually made it work uh, we completely switched to to um, remote work in early March and then we actually decided that we need to um, strategically prepare um, for a world where Corona stays or at least pandemic stay uh, because mm -hmm. it could be that Corona stays for like a, a year or two or whatsoever you know. And and we didn't try to save Wunder Flats as it is, but actually try to uh, reinvent it um, to fit a world with a pandemic and with like like with lockdowns and stuff like this. And there, where we is actually where we found that um, actually a pandemic or any catastrophe in general um, increases the need to move and get there. You know, like if there's a war somewhere, you need people to go there and help and and distribute. Um, and things you know like food and, and stuff like this and or if they're natural catastrophes you need to delocate people and and like this and the same was it was it was also true for corona like we had like as i said earlier like these doctors and soldiers helping with temporary hospitals everywhere and building them that needed to accommodation and um that's very like contact the um the state actually the federal government and and told them like we have these apartments let us help you uh, you probably have some needs tell us if we can do anything and that's actually how, how we got through it and another thing we realized is that um we probably need to like the request um or the the need for temporary housing will probably decrease because like we had these 50 percent international um uh workers Users. that came to germany yeah. Yeah. yeah and and so we thought okay we need to make more out of this um request that we have and actually increase a better matching and in april we then decided that we invest heavily on machine learning to um actually uh, increase our matching and when we went live with, with our new ranking algorithm that ranks the apartments um, um it was machine learning based um in july 
we actually saw an increase in like 60 or like over 60 percent in requests um uh, because like we, we way better like made our inventory discoverable and also like learning from how people use the site actually and um, helped us to bring like the right people to or match the right people with, with the right apartment Mm. And, so it's yeah. actually really really interesting because it's really counterintuitive because when we, everyone was kind of like buckling down and cutting costs and like shying away from risks, I think you actually decided kind of like to double down on risk and say, why not implementing a machine learning based approach? We also cut down on costs. So we also need to do that, like especially in April um, and then May when the, uh, in March when the lockdown hit in, in Germany, we also expected to have like huge revenue loss and and also cut down on on cost and um like people needed to go into mm. kurzarbeit you know like sh short work in germany this concept um yeah so it was really tough time especially communication wise and and seeing like these and and, and taking the you know like you see a lot of afraid people like your employees that trust you yeah. and they don't know what's happening it was like really really stressful time and I'm so happy that like everyone stayed on board and we actually yeah, went, went over it. Yeah. Um, you now have about 100 people, is that true? Yeah, like it's 108. Eight. And you have about 26 nationalities, I think, we picked up somewhere. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, it's Berlin and like kind of everyone has a lot of nationalities, but I think it is pretty like a state, pretty much a statement, I think, for the culture you're building. And what I found really interesting and very impressive um, is that like the split on the management team that you have. So you have about 45% female um, employees on the management team and 55% male. Is that yeah. still true? That's, uh, that's still true, yeah. And was this intentional or did that just happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like, like a little bit of both actually. So um, when when we actually found Wunderflats and, and and got really deep into the like why do we do this and you know like we do all the the funding rounds that are really stressful and you need something to get you going like all the time we actually um, we, we, we really own the idea or the mission to actually um, open borders or to like you know like get getting people together from everywhere. And um, this this is like a like for us with our vision and mission, it's it's a very diverse um, mission in itself. You know, like everyone should be able to live anywhere, anytime. And so it came actually pretty natural for us to like with this customer focus that we also need very international people, or at least like very very diverse diverse team. Because um, if we build a product, and um, we also need to like have different perspectives um, on, on that, and so. Actually started out um, with that in mind, but obviously, like we didn't even got the full picture or like understood what it actually means to be build a diverse uh, team. So we had a lot of fuck, fuck ups and a lot of learnings along the way, or like how to increase that team. But we were, we were very focused on that, also with our culture that we defined in I think year year two or something of Wunder Flats, maybe mm -hmm. year one to two, yeah. So did you actually, I'm, I'm super curious about those fuck-ups and I'm sure our audience is as well, of course, because we can all learn from the mistakes that others yeah. make and kind of prevent them. But did you have, this is just a pure, like pure personal curiosity, I think, did you ever have this like 50-50 goal in mind or how did you actually steer towards this vision? Did you quantify it? Um, no, no, we had like, so um, what we tried to do is actually to have a, uh, um, like we, we didn't have 50-50 in mind. So uh, what we focused on was actually to um, 
like have a diverse team and different perspective, as I already said. And and so for us, it meant that we need to be as a company very attractive to like um, biological female and male people, obviously. Um, and yeah, and then it just happened. So we, it's not like that we prefer um, like women over male in some positions. We just try to hire the best people and try to get rid of um, any discrim discrimination or biases. Um, so I think like when, like as a company or as a founder, um, like accepting that diversity is actually of value um, was the first step for us to like go in the direction. And then like we basically identified two uh, things that like if you, if you if you do not have an international team or a diverse team in any um, matter of the meaning, right? So also with religions and and so on, um, then it probably means that either your HR um, business partner or your your, your recruiting is uh, somehow um, discriminationally biased, or it means that your company is not attractive enough for uh, for the like for everyone, you know. And that's what we constantly worked on to actually also get the best people into our company, like, like the war for talent, you know, like, yeah. So let's dig in on this point, I think, because to be honest, I, we still struggle with it to a degree. Like I think we are majorly male, even though we're a small team. Um, and I struggle with it personally because obviously uh, like I really want to have more females. I think our mm -hmm. challenge is actually on the female side of things. I think we're doing better with like, um, other diversities like cognitive, demographic, uh, but also just like non-binary gender um, candidates. We actually get those in the pipeline, which is like always surprising for me and like good to see. But I think we our challenge lies particular in in kind of like the female male split. But I do know, in fact, um, a few male founders as well that approach me often and kind of like ask me for advice, and I never know what to tell them because I think we just made too little experiences yet as a company to really kind of um, give them solid advice. So um, yeah, share with us what you think kind of worked for you on a long journey and how did you get to this point of being quite attractive for diverse candidates and being able to close, um, especially also female um, candidates in, in leadership and kind of what didn't work. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So um, we actually have like uh, six parameters for us in our um, recruiting process that we identified um, uh, to to actually attract more um, diverse like people or more diverse crowd, and uh, one thing of it is like that we um, or we have like these uh, principles basically. It's um, maybe better words than parameters. Like we try to welcome everyone, also not only like, uh, like internally. You know, like if someone visits, we try to be kind and and offer them drinks and you know like being just being nice. But we also try to be welcome uh, to everyone in our job ads, for example. And um, that that means that you know, like, um, uh, don't use. We, we try to avoid gender specific language, so we don't want to, you know, exclude um, people there. And we we, we always try to state um, that you you know English English is fine. You, like obviously, if you if you have a job uh, that requires German, it should also be um, should also be stated because it's there was actually one fuck up that we had. So uh, we we underestimated how important. German is when you live in Germany, like like to connect with people, and um, and yeah, then we we offered German lessons to 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 fix that, and and also we stated that that uh, you should be fluent in German if if it's really needed. Um, but in regards, for example, to female employees, what we found and some tests is that 
we actually got rid of like these optional statements. Usually in job ads, you, you have like this, okay, you have to have like this experience, you have to have this and these skills and optional. It would also be nice that you are, you know, fluent in SQL and whatsoever. Mm. And um, once we removed that, we, we found that we get a lot of, a lot more female um, um, applicants and, yeah, so, so it's, you basically it's quite, just stated the kind of must-have, so like the the qualifications that you really need exactly. to have. Yeah. Open. Yeah, and then we like um, if if you want to like talk in stereotypes, I mean they're often somehow at, at least a little bit true. Obviously, not not in in all cases. As in um, male applicants uh, often like overestimated or um, thought, okay, I can learn these things. You know, it's additional, so I can learn it. And 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 like with female applicants, we saw that. Uh, when we talk to them, um, also like with like indirect sourcing, when we con uh, contacted um, uh, female um, people, we found that they said, "Okay, optional is this, and I cannot do it. I'm not sure if I can learn learn it, so I didn't apply, or I don't think I fit the job." So you know, like it actually, this, this, yeah, this kind of thing was uh, like was, was like a yeah, I don't know, like it really hit us. That uh, in that moment that we should get rid of the all, all the optional statements and we can talk about it in, in in the talks once once we are there and don't need to like what difference did it make? Do you remember approximately like when you actually started removing this? Like how much increase in female candidates did you see in the pipeline? Yeah, so it totally uh, depends on the role. So um, we still uh, have two less um, female coders, for example, applying at Wunderflats, but with all the um, for example, in sales, uh, we saw definitely an increase from like uh, 30% to like 40, 50%. So for us, it's pretty even um, in, in these roles. Um, yeah. But obviously, like in roles, like developers, where there are more male developers, you, you will get more male developers also as applicants. Yeah. Are you happy with where you are today on that topic? Or like, do you still try to improve things? And if so, what? Yeah, we are not happy with it. <laughs> so I think we, if you, if you, if you're happy where you are, then you, you cannot further develop, right? And and we should never get into the state as as founders or as, as CEOs, especially. So we we always try to uh, evolve on that. And um, one thing, for example, we we are we are pretty, pretty curious about is, um, like at Wunder Flats, if if tenants um, apply for an apartment with a landlord, for example. Um, there's all this. We need to share information with the landlord to make the decision. But what information is actually necessary? You know, and the nationality, for example, doesn't matter, so we don't share it. Um, the last name doesn't matter, so we don't share it. We only share the first name uh, to make it more personal. And we also think about like getting rid of that even. And um, so that's that's uh, stuff that we um, we want to tackle. Also, we do not get so many um, people with disabilities as applicate applicants. So we, we have some some of um, we have some people with light disabilities in our team that would really like to have like um, to be more attractive also for for people with disabilities. It's also something that we try to improve on. And, and maybe just yeah. to just to hold on on that point because I think this is really really interesting. And I like I personally am when I listen to you kind of like ask myself when you identify that you need to like you know start a new initiative or you need to push harder on a specific topic like what is the first step you take like whom do you talk to in your in your company like do you do you like a brainstorm in a group or like what's your kind of go-to um almost like problem solution uh method or approach um that you kind of kick off when you actually identify 
where there's still a gap we could do better. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that we have a um, like method or something. I, I, I would rather say that like um, like diverse, diversity as a value and, um, and and also inclusion as a value in itself. Like to have a good time and um, to have the, all these uh, different perspectives actually is um, like it's a principle of of Wunderflats in, in everything we do. So like if we are in, in recruiting and we see we only get male applicants and something is wrong, the same would be um, true for like if we only see that male people are book, booking with Wunderflats because, you know, like it, it just doesn't make sense or only certain nationalities or religions or whatsoever. Um, so if we, if we see something like this, like everyone is aware and we, we repeat it a lot that this is so important for us that like people, and we have this open um, feedback culture that we um, talked previously about. And I think uh, you, you also made a great, great blog post on that. Um, <laughs> that, uh, uh, that, you know, that, that enables us that if people spot these things that they report it to us. And um, yeah, also we like, we, when we defined our culture, we also set some, some rules um, that also facilitates this. Like we, yeah, we have this like four pillars of, and we're looking for emotional intelligent people. Um, and, and then the next pillar would be that like people should be uh, taking responsibility. Uh, responsibility comes always through competency and not through authority or, and, and, and stuff like this. Like all these thoughts are also uh, linked to, um, you know, like this diversity approach always. So basically, yeah. And, and but I, you're still... So so ingrained in in the culture and like why is it so important to you? What so, would you sorry? say? Can repeat it? How like why do you think it's so? It seems that it's really part of the core DNA of what Wonderflats is, and also like how you develop the company and the vision. Um, why do you think it's so important and so kind of ingrained in in the Wonderflats culture? And why is it so important to you personally? The reason I ask is because I think. Um, knowing why you care about it so much, I think might help other founders and other leaders to like identify same uh, points of relation in yeah. their own. Yeah, it has different dimensions. So I think there's a, um, like when, when we found Wunderflats 2014, it was a time where a lot of right nationalist parties uh, grew everywhere around the world, like in France and the US and Germany. And um, you had like these, um, like these protective thoughts of, you know, closing borders or also, yeah, that, that just, it wasn't the word how I picture it. I mean, we have like this large, um, this, you know, this global issues, like global warming and stuff like this. So we, we all need to uh, work together to, to like uh, tackle these issues. And it doesn't make sense to like um, close down on your country or I don't know, close down anything. So that's why like I, I like with my life, I want to contribute that, you know, like we, we have an open world and we get people that actually solve these issues, Get we get them together and actually enable them to solve it. I mean, yeah, if you also, if you look at Nobel Prizes, they, they don't go to single persons anymore. Um, like in science, they usually go to like teams of two or three people. So the, the um, problems became so complex that you always mm. need um, like people from all over the world to work together and, and solve them. And, and next to it is like just like as a, as a managing director, I think there's a clear value if you, for example, have a di diverse group of people in a room uh, for a meeting. You, you can feel it instantly, right? So if you're in a group of only male people, you have a different um, uh, dynamics and only with female people. And if you bring them together and also like with um, 
also with different religions or different uh, cultural backgrounds in general, um, you, you, you get a way more focused on, on what the meeting is actually about and not on your um, common things or like these, you know, what, what make, what, what make you similar, you know, you, you have all these other topics, these groups. And if you have a very diverse to be actually get focused on, on these, on the things that matter, I guess. Yeah. That's super interesting. I agree with this. We just had an offsite and um, one of our female team members uh, is in the U S so she couldn't travel. And I, I was actually um, speaking to, to the other female team member that we have on the team, which is basically like there's three of us and then the rest mm -hmm. is male currently. Um, and I like, I really felt the difference and it felt very different to me in comparison to like the offset before where we just had, like, first of all, we had Gabby with, uh, with us, but then we also had, um, another uh, team member that was female. It was kind of more balanced. And I think the dynamic was very different. So I can definitely 100% relate that it act, nobody really means badly. It's just like, it just feels different. Yeah. And I think it's how you actually interact and how much you open up and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, super interesting. I think maybe. Two more question on two more questions on on this topic of kind of diversity and inclusion as part of your culture. Um, you also sent us a, a page about wonder culture. Um, I yeah. think in one of our previous uh, conversations, how did you kind of get to this point of like developing it? Like, what's your approach to working on culture? Because it's obviously like a, I think I guess a living a living canvas or a living thing. So, what do you do and with whom and I, it really always helps to have specifics in terms of like who from your team you involve and how, because I think it's, it's the nitty gritty details that people are always kind of the most interested in and, and can learn the most from. So walk us through your cultural process and how you make sure that diversity stays back, baked in. Yeah. So I think when we, when we started um, to, um, in the moment where we decided that we want to have like cultural statements or like a common ground on culture, we were already like 15 or 20 people, if I remember correctly. Um, and then we actually, um, like the idea was that we, we had something in common and, and also it obviously also um, differentiated us from other startups and, and other companies in general. And we want to, narrow it down to actually also reflect on it and understand what what's happening here and what um you know what what, what we can also if you, if you hire new people what we are looking for and um therefore we actually um we started with the assistant of um Akadi and me like my co-founder and me um and actually made it like a top priority thing to to develop this um And we started by actually asking around, like in a survey, so what, like lots of different questions. So uh, what would you tell your grandma working at Wunderflats is about or something mm. like these questions, like to actually um, understand what pe people value about Wunderflats or what the people are like and what's the common ground. And then after we, we gathered that, uh, we had a group of um, all senior um, leaders, like all head offs and also all team leads and um the um our assistant that was basically um in uh it was had the task as it was responsibility on her plate um and we sat together and we actually looked at all the responses and tried to formulate sentences out of it mm -hmm. and um then we cycled this back to the whole company and asked them like what do you feel if you see that um that statement and um What do you think if you hear it? Is anything wrong? Is anything missing? So we got really specific on the words in the end. And, we, and it took us over a year to actually end up with the, with the poster I shared with you. Um, so every word actually and every, you know, we decided also like all the statements start with we or everyone. 
and and that's for example also something that we specifically decided for like because we is like representing like all the employees and everyone um is also addressing like people outside of wunderflats and and these statements are also like reflecting our as a social responsibility that we feel for people that you know that don't work at wunderflats or that are not our customers um you know because like we are, we are still uh, in a housing market and people need to live somewhere and so what we do doesn't always only have impact on us and and the people that work with Wunderflats flats or that want to live somewhere temporarily but also has impact on people that just want to stay uh, like where they are because you know we compete over the same um space the space is limited uh, in cities and so on um yeah and then today um, and, and then it basically we live with it for almost a year and we have like this quarterly where we uh, always reflect on it and um and and then we reflect like is it still true is something missing and after a year we found that we all that we need a separate leadership culture like we have this general culture that's true for everyone and for leaders we have a specific also specific rule set and we, we are right now in the process of uh, developing it and we also found that the social responsibility is so rooted into everyone that's working at wunderflats that um, and it's missing in our current culture statements that we need to edit. Um, it didn't happen yet, but um, we are also working on that. So we really take our time with with, with these things and and with all the workshops that's going on and 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 you know all this talking about culture. We also get always get everyone on board and actually reflect on it on the way. So it doesn't always have to be a poster with, with all the statements. You know, like talking about culture and talking about mission and vision. Um, also, it helps a lot with um, aligning on it. Dining, yeah. I was actually about to ask, like, how do you actually make sure that the newcomers, so like whenever you have new wonder, wonder flatties <laughs> or whatever you yeah. call, what do you call each other actually? Yeah, uh, I think wonder flatties. Some people call it wonder flatties. I call them employees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have new yeah. wonder flatties joining. How do you make sure that they actually like get the point of the culture very quickly? And and on the other hand as well, in recruiting, how do you? Kind of test for diversity and inclusion in new candidates. Yeah. Um, so I think at first we uh, like all the hiring managers, like all people that are involved in hiring, and you usually if you apply at Wunderflats, you usually meet at least five people of Wunderflats, um, or five Wunderflatties as we call them. Uh, and um, these are like the people that you talk to are um, selected in a diverse way, like proactively, like you you always talk to male and female people, you always talk to like international or German people from different departments. Um, because we not only do like a technical interview, but also like the, the cultural thing is very important to us. So um, we try to avoid jerks, uh, to hire jerks, for example. And therefore like everyone you talk to has a veto right. And everyone is basically filling out the same survey about the applicant. I'm asking about like this culture fit things with also some some help and and we also uh, educate um, everyone um, how how to ask um, for these things and yeah but without asking the same questions obviously and after we uh, uh, yeah but this again was also like is also open for fuck ups because if everyone has a reader right and you have someone in in that um, in that decision seat and with racial bias uh, biases or you know any That's other biases. Actually. Yeah, yeah. You know, it could it could happen that you um, yeah find wrong decisions. So what we how we handle this like with a security net system um, that if for example everyone is positive about the candidate, 
and and one is very negative about it, then we HR HR will talk to them and um, we actually Hi. really get to the point like what's what's the reason and and you know and we we obviously their focus also on on biases and to actually and make sure that it's not because of any biases. Yeah. And then when you start at Wunderflats, you, you um, get a, um, a, you have a, like an onboarding week also. And we used to have like these um, cultural workshops and vision workshops. We don't do it this way anymore because of uh, capacity reasons. And so, but we definitely want to introduce them in the future again. We stuck with them about a year ago. Um, but, How did they um, go? Uh, so it's, uh, we basically had a, we were asking, like, for example, uh, in, in your interview, we also um, we talk about like Wunderflats and uh, vision, and 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 Wunderflat as an employer. Like, how do you perceive the interviews that you did? Because ob obviously, also candidates need to decide to work for us, and and like working for us also comes with pressure, with pressure in some kind of way. Because we always want to make sure that we do the right thing, and um, we want people to be open and not you know hide when they have feedback and stuff like this. So it also puts. Yeah. Uh, often, yeah. yeah, and yeah. So uh, I lost the point I got. I think <laughs> I was asking yeah. you what, how you did these workshops um, around vision and ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we just like uh, we, for example, then we sit together with all the new starters and and, and ask about like um, what do you think is is what Wunderflats does, for example, or what does it does to these and these people and. And and um, what is uh, what can you criticize about it? And um, what you find good about it? And it's just the open talk. So we usually sit in a cycle. So everyone there's no hierarchy in their talks. There's no presenter. And it's just like talking about what we do. And and it's also about obviously about legal stuff and and so on. And in culture, it's also like like the, the we talk about questions like in your previous experience. What and um, did you enjoy about your your workplace? And um, what um, traits that your favorite coworkers have, um, and and how how did you received perceived your your first months or your first week at Wunderflats? Um, how you know like like all these questions to um, basically just talk about it and and make aware that we care about it and 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 also check whether what like what we think about culture at Wunderflats is still true and how fresh people receive it. And I think especially like the The, the people from outside are very important. We also work a lot of with freelancers, and it's actually also based on the fuck up, fuck up we had, I would say. So we, we hired a senior leader um, in a very early stage of Wunderflats, and um, and uh, she went pretty fast on on um, maternity leave. Um, and in and, and that early stage for us, it was like we were like you know like it was we were surprised by it. We didn't prepare for it. She also didn't prepare for it. <laughs> Um, like she didn't knew back then when we hired her, and um, and but we need to figure out that we or we figured out that we like we want to enable we want want to work with everyone at Wunderflats, and we we do not you know it doesn't mean that like everyone like or that you know it doesn't matter whether you are male or female it does or it doesn't matter whether which what which, which religion you have so um, it's other way around so you should be you should be. Um, aware of the differences and should actually make the company um, handle it. You know, you should, should you should facilitate an environment where, for example, we, right now we're thinking about um, uh, religional holidays. You know, like in Germany, you only have Christian holidays that are state forced. Um, 
but obviously we have people from, with di different religions and, and uh, at Wunder Flats, and we are actually think about right now to offer um, like special holidays for for their holy days. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, like I have part of my family is Jewish, and I haven't really observed much of the high holidays that we just had now. So I totally feel you because it's just like really difficult to fit in. And yeah. it really, like, it really makes a difference uh, whether you live in a society that kind of had a majority driven thinking like Germany, where like, it's clearly Christian. Yeah. I think in the U S since you have a bit more flexibility, I feel because like Jewish holidays are kind of a thing you can take days off and whatever. Um, yeah. So I definitely hear you. I think it's also very progressive. I haven't like heard any, uh, company based in Germany, I think, like considering this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, it's definitely a thing that we want to tackle. And um, also, we think about, um, um, like extra holidays, for example, for, um, uh, for women, if they are in the period, uh, if they, and if they don't feel well, um, like on, on, on a certain day, um, to work, that, that it's okay to take off, you know, like not ignoring it, not, not forcing it um, to, to force you in some kind of position or to just acknowledge that people are different and to actually build an environment that enables everyone like to work how they can work best, you know, like it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, that's yeah, stuff is difficult. Super inspiring. I think just to like maybe touch on a couple of points that you actually made. And like, what, as I listen to you, I'm really kind of like comparing, I think the conversation we have to the typical conversations I have with like CEO and co-founders. And I think when we typically talk to people, it's kind of um, all about, you know, results and strategy and execution mm -hmm. and like fast and breaking things and like adaptability and customer orientation. And all of these things are very important. I think what makes you very different and unique in that sense, and I'm really glad that we got to speak about it is that when you say it kind of has to be part of your DNA and you have to believe this is valuable for your company, you actually really mean it and you actually live up to it um, in such a huge way that I think that especially the past 10 minutes of conversation where I asked you about questions around how do you do this and how you do that, I think made it very clear for me that you are not only stating it, but you are actually committed to putting in the time and also sacrificing that time for productivity, which I think is very difficult for a lot of CEOs and a lot of founders to kind of see people, you know, talk about stuff for like hours because they understand, oh, when we're more aligned or when we're more inclusive, we'll be able to leverage each other better. I think to have this patience and kind of also open-mindedness and maturity in that sense and say people need to talk sometimes to like mm -hmm. figure stuff out and our team members need to do that as well. And I want to enable it, I think is a huge takeaway and hopefully also a huge inspiration and, and role model behavior for uh, many aspiring leaders, founders, uh, soon to be founders, but also just people working in companies um, to ask and to make the point to voice the needs for alignment, for interaction, for connection, and kind of together building a better world and a better future um, instead of, you know, being stuck in, in the ways we've been always working and we've been doing things. And I think your company with the success you've recently had, I think demonstrates that you can be white headed, like you can be the good guys and be successful. And I personally am very excited about a future because I see more and more these type of companies succeeding in the current environment where the, the image of like this very ambitious, uh, cruel, um, and almost, yeah, like you kind of have to sacrifice your humanity in order to be successful in business. 
um, founder goes away more and more. And actually the companies that really value inclusion, really put effort and time into understanding how to be better are really actually winning the race. And it's, yeah, it, it's really inspiring and like makes me very hopeful about our future, I think. So thank you so much for doing the hard work and probably also the less popular, having less popular opinions specifically in the early days, I can't imagine. Yeah. And, and pushing through. Yeah, and thanks a lot for for having me. I'm, I'm also like if, if if you have any ideas or any and uh, I don't know experiences doing that, please reach out to me on LinkedIn or just write me a mail. Always, Janet Wunderflats. I'm I'm reading like everything, and I'm I'm really interested in how people solve these issues. And it's yeah, I, I think you're you just did a perfect closing statement, and I don't want to further say anything. <laughs> All good. Uh, for everyone who's been listening, thank you so much for um, your time and your interest. You can reach out to Jan as he just uh, promised on LinkedIn, but also uh, through email. You can also meet Jan in our Teams at Work community. And you can always apply to the community just by going to bunch.ai. Um, and we really hope to see most of you there and are super excited about conversations that we can have together and questions you ask. Um, and yes, Jan, thanks again for this amazing, insightful conversation. I think um, I, I'm really kind of mind blown and I have, I have to process a lot of things, but I really learned so much. And thank you so much for spending the time. I know you're just as busy as any other founder, I think. Yeah, thank you too for taking your time. Thanks for listening to Teams at Work. Let me know what your thoughts are on today's episode. You can find me on Instagram at Daria Gudnick and start a conversation there. At the beginning of the show, I mentioned that my team and I are building an AI leadership coach to help you become a world-class leader in just two minutes a day. It's coming out very soon on the Apple App Store. If you want to get early access though, head over to bunch.ai and simply sign up. And thanks again for listening. I'm your host. My name is Daria Gudnick. I'm the co-founder and CEO at Bunch. If you liked today's episode, make sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.